This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies, aspirations, methods, and mistakes behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hello out there. It's the moment you've all been waiting for, the follow-up to our breakout, tell-all, critically acclaimed episode about our own agency, Murmur Creative. That was episode six. Well, it's been a little over six months since that episode aired, and our ship is still afloat. We're a little grayer and a little smarter, and we've got lots to share. Once again, joining me will be my brother, Andrew Bolton, and owner of Murmur Creative. We're going to talk about how the year has gone thus far, our mistakes and successes, how close we are to meeting our million-dollar goal, and our predictions for the future. But before we get started, I would like to read you something. One of the things that we mentioned quite a few times in this episode is our new vision statement for the company. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's like two pages, but I will provide you a download on the website at creativeagencypodcast.com so you can get the whole thing. I was actually inspired to write this vision statement after reading a book called Agency, Starting a Creative Firm in the Age of Digital Marketing by Rick Webb. You should read it, and I will put a link on the website for that book as well. Um, Well, here goes our vision statement, or an excerpt of our vision statement. Murmur Creative is a strategic design agency that creates branding and web solutions that help businesses grow. At Murmur Creative, aesthetic excellence is expected and required. It is the baseline of everything we do. But we believe that design is much more than what you see. For this reason, we've adopted a philosophy of design that goes far beyond aesthetics. We believe great design solves problems. We believe great design can do heavy lifting. And we believe great design is strategic. These beliefs require that we work on a deeper level with our clients, and it ensures that we produce beautiful and smart work that is tailored to the needs of the businesses we engage. We also believe that every project we will work on deserves something special, an awe factor. It's not something easily described, but it should be easy to recognize when it has been achieved. Our culture. We believe our culture is the foundation of everything we do. We cannot provide excellence without first taking care of ourselves and our own happiness. We expect the entire Murmur team to contribute to our culture by sharing of themselves and being proactive when potential issues arise. We believe in transparency in our business practices, strategies, and financial goals. Growth. We believe in growing to improve our services and products, but not solely to improve our capacity and profits. Hiring should be based on improving the quality of our work. Clients. We want to work with a large variety of clients in various industries. This means a mixture of large and small budget clients. We seek to establish a ratio of large and small clients that allows us to spend the time needed to truly deliver our best work and continue to grow our profits. We believe all our clients, regardless of budget, should receive our best work. Our best work requires collaboration and trust. It happens when clients trust us enough to collaborate on strategy, branding, design, and content. We will sometimes turn down work that does not give us this level of investment. All right, well, that's it, and let's get to the show. Welcome to part two of the Murmur Creative Story Podcast. If you haven't listened to episode six, in which we tell sort of the background behind Murmur Creative, you should go back and listen to it. Don't worry, we'll wait. 
All right, now that those people are gone, let's get to the show. I'm here once again with my brother, art director and owner of Murmur Creative. Hello. Now, as we established in part one, our goals were to hire one more junior marketing position this year to help out with copywriting and SEO. And our secondary goal was to hit the million dollar mark as far as income goes for the year. Well, we made that marketing hire and we're very happy with the addition to the team. Uh, we needed someone who could help out with SEO and copywriting, um, but we also knew we couldn't afford an SEO guru that wanted a salary larger than our own. Anyway, I feel like Kate was an excellent hire. She's a tremendous writer and she's really interested in learning about SEO and marketing. And uh, yeah, I think we're lucky to find her. I will admit that we basically had no infrastructure for poor Kate when we hired her. I was totally slammed and I didn't have a lot of time to help her out. So she was sort of dropped into the proverbial, um, what's the fray? fire fray. The fire from the frying pan into the fire well, <laughs> mixed metaphors. So anyway, so we got that first part done. We got an awesome hire in here. She's helping out a lot. I don't think we would be able to be doing what we are doing without her right now. We'll also, we'll get to the, uh, money portion of the show a little bit later, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the trials and tribulations of the wins and losses of this year so far. We're just about halfway through. We're just hit the halfway mark. So Andrew, how would you describe um, like how the beginning of this year went? I feel like this year has gone really well so far. The first, our first quarter, we were really focused on onboarding. We had just sort of a tidal wave of bid requests and old clients coming back that, you know, wanted new projects. So we were just constantly presenting and doing, you know, contracts and negotiations and that sort of stuff for, I feel like three months. And I think that Mary, you know, who's our, uh, our account director was just, you know, she was going crazy, but Chris and I as well, who, you know, sit in on a lot, most of those, uh, pitch meetings and, and, um, negotiations, obviously, we're just, you know, it felt like that's all we were doing, but we, we both also have many, many other responsibilities at Murmur. So it was, it was a little trying of a time. And I think we were getting really nervous about, you know, when, when do we pull back? Because right, we're worried that we might get too much work. Yeah. And I think that being an agency that's grown so quickly, we don't exactly know where that line is, you know, what, what's more than we can handle. And we've, you know, spent a lot of time trying to put in um, some systems <clears throat> that'll help us sort of track that and figure that out. But at this point, I think we were really just guessing. And I've sort of in growing the company, I've always kind of gone on the mantra, say yes to everything. I think everybody started kind of looking at me like, <laughs> okay, but at a certain point, this thing's going to fall apart. So I feel like we, at about the end of the first quarter, you know, we didn't stop sending out proposals, but I think we started kind of pricing ourselves out of a lot of jobs. I think we stopped taking as many meetings for pitches and just kind of, you know, when a client reached out, unless it sounded like something we just couldn't live without, we would just, you know, say, great, we'll send over a proposal and email it over and um, just not chase it quite as hard, yeah. um, which definitely was effective <laughs> in that we really, we stopped getting a lot of those jobs, which was great because we, you know, had to, had to start doing a lot of work and really dive in. Well, we even changed the, so the bid request form on our website, it used to have some budget options. You could put 
what was it like three thousand to ten thousand? Yeah, I think it started at three to ten. And we changed that to starting at ten, right? Yeah, I think we just got rid of the first yeah. option. Because so. we weren't really taking on projects that were three thousand dollars at that point. Yeah. Really, anyway, I mean, that was kind of like the low price of our smallest service or something like that. But basically, a project that would come in at $3,000 just wouldn't really appeal to us the way that it once did. And, you know, I, I suppose it depends on what kind of agency you are and how many leads you get, but we were getting a lot of leads, like leads almost every day. And it did feel like we needed to somehow not spend so much time yeah. on them. And I, I know there's agencies out there, they don't even put a price on their website. But like for us, especially since we, we rank in the top three for the search term Portland web design in Google. So we do get a lot of people who aren't super qualified, who are just kind of trying to feel out what how much web design costs and therefore sort of putting a, uh, a price minimum kind of weeded some out. Yeah. And we still, you know, there's still an option on the website to say that you're not sure what your budget is, but I think just showing, you know, potential clients sort of what the, what the ballpark is to, to get started on a project for us is, is a good starting point to kind of weed out some. And we, we also raised the actual minimum of what we charge for websites as well. Um, we, we sort of have a base price of $12,000 for like a brochure website. And then it goes up from there, you know, up to, you know, $100,000 website, Yeah, you know, and that also when people ask us and they've, you know, they're a small business or their bar or restaurant that's just opening up and they're like, we got 5,000 bucks and, you know, we're, we're not taking on those projects anymore because they're just not profitable. Unless, of course, in certain cases, it's a really exciting startup or product or something that we really, you know, want to add some more of that kind of work to our portfolio. Um, now and again, we'll kind of take on a client on a, on a smaller budget where we know we just kind of cover our costs. Yeah, we're actually trying to add some add some more packaging um, work to our portfolio. And for that reason, we've sort of been lowballing on packaging projects. It can be a worthwhile strategy. It can lead to much bigger budgets and bigger projects. So yeah, we got a ton of new work. We're both getting scared because, or everybody's getting a little nervous because we weren't sure if we would be able to handle all the work once we got it. Yeah, I think that probably half of that second quarter, everybody was really nervous and everybody was really busy. I can't remember who it was. Somebody, it might have been Kylie, our project manager, came up to me a few weeks ago and kind of was like, you know, I think we're pulling this off, you know? And I think, <laughs> yeah. I think we've all sort of had that realization recently, like, okay, you know, that like, I think we stopped just in the nick of time, you know? I think that um, if you added one more big project to our pile right now, I think the work probably would have suffered a little bit. But I think magically we kind of landed in a, in a pretty good place the bills are getting paid and yeah, the, the and work's still at the, the level we want it to be. And the, you know, the second quarter, we, we did maybe a tenth of the onboarding work that we yeah. did in the first quarter. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was both organically sort of slowed down. I don't know if it was seasonal. I mean, sometimes there's just lulls for who knows who knows why. But we got some pretty, we brought on some pretty cool clients. A local grocery store client um, that has like four locations in the area. Um, well, we just started working with like the third largest privately owned brewery in the country. So 
um, not you know a full branding project or anything, but we still we've started to do some work. Yeah, there's some there's definitely some good wins, and we had some good losses too. There was a uh, there was a celebrity, <laughs> a '90s pop star celebrity was starting a to, to do some uh, a line of food. I don't think we can we're at liberty to say much yeah, more than yeah, that. But the um, NDA. It, it didn't work out, but it was a, a very fun pitch. We we always talk about how these things come along that seem unreal, like that you just think, well, that's a once in a lifetime weird opportunity to pitch to that client or to even work with a client. But then another one always seems to come along. And we, now we sort of talk and anticipate like, what's what's the next, you know, one that just makes you scratch your head? Like, how did they find us? Or, or how does this thing even exist in the first place? Um, but it's it definitely is one of the things I always think, kind of look forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we had that celebrity, brush with a celebrity last year too, who who didn't hire us, so. But we, still, of, we all got a trip out to Los Angeles and got to tour a movie studio and, and yeah. all that. Something we'll get something fancy one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting the opportunities, landing yeah. landing the big opportunity. Yeah. And you know, we worked on our onboarding process quite a bit this year. We still have a, a ways to go, but mm-hmm. you know, we went through many different sort of iterations of our presentation that we gave to clients. We reworked our slide deck quite mm-hmm. a few times. And uh time tracking. I know I've talked about it on here before. It's not something we've been historically very good at. Do you want to talk about how that's going? Well, it's going for the first time ever. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know if it's going perfectly. Yeah, we had some, we sat down and had some meetings and talked a lot about, you know, what, what was going to be realistic for us going from an agency that had never tracked time really, other than billable work for, you know, clients that were billing hourly. We never really tracked uh, you know, for a big website project or something like that, like all the hours that went into it. So Kylie, our project manager, and um, Jared, our technical manager, and I think maybe you were involved a little bit, did a lot of research into different time tracking softwares. And I think we decided that having people run timers on their computers and just get things down to the second was probably not really realistic for us the way that things work and and really the number of clients we have and the number of projects we have at a time we're, we're you know it's it's rare that any one of us is working all day on the same project i'd say right even our designers probably work on two or three in a day on average so we needed something that we could sort of designate blocks of time and then you know sort of confirm whether or not those blocks of time done and so we decided on ten thousand feet which so far so good i think Mm -hmm. we've at least i've adapted to it pretty well i know some people struggled a little bit more but it seems like it's doing the trick i mean we haven't really analyzed the data yet right (laughs) you know but everybody seems to be at least you know trying to track their hours and and it's also really i mean it's 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 helpful for tracking the hours but i think what it's almost been more useful for is for kylie to designate hours to projects and and then that sort of has helped us finally figure out a little bit what what that what we can handle you know what's that what's our maximum capacity because now we're starting to know how long a logo project takes and a website project you know she she lays out everybody's time and if it doesn't add up then we have to either go look for a freelancer or consider a hire uh which we've sort of decided we're not gonna do this year so so it's really good information to have 
one of the mistakes we may may have made, and it's kind of hard to say this, sure, but like we were using Asana for task management. And when we switched over to using to using 10,000 feet for time management, we sort of stopped using Asana for task management. And we were sort of using a combination of Google Docs and Slack. And we did these employee reviews um, about a month ago, and everybody sort of was like, there's a missing piece. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like that came up here and there in those meetings. But what kind of made me laugh was those meetings were really helpful. We got, you know, input from every employee, you know, Chris and Mary and I split up and met with everybody uh, one on one. And I think we had intended on them being just like 20 minute check ins, and they were all probably an hour because, yeah. you know, there's just so much going on and changing around here that I think everybody has a lot to contribute. Mary and Chris and I sat down with all this information. I think we went went out to lunch and sat at this table for like two and a half hours going through everything that we had found you know every time we found this co a common thread like oh this you know this thing isn't happening and it really should be happening we'd write it down at the end we had this list of things and it was sort of like okay so so how do we start implementing all these things and, and we realized oh there's no way to implement any of these things if we don't if we can't make them tasks you know right. whether it's you know a uh, uh, check in from the account director with a client in the middle of a website project or you know a kickoff meeting with a client where the designers are there and the art directors there you know whatever it is they brought us all these great ideas and we were all excited to implement them all <laughs> we were sort of scratching our head like how are we going to how are we going to remember to do this stuff just you know there's just too mu too many things so i think that that was when we went oh i think we we jumped ship a little too early on yeah i mean a lot of it was these sort of quality checks that we want to constantly be doing to make sure that we're delivering really good work or, or sort of handoffs on a project, like when a designer is handing off a project to a developer or, um, you know, someone who's done the onboarding process with the client is handing off that client to a, a designer. It's like there's all these little points and touch points that need to happen and sort of things that need to get checked off on a list. And we just sort of like we had process we just didn't have any way of like interacting with that process and remembering that process and checking those things off the list and yeah like oh yeah we, I, we need project management so we just sort of made an executive decision to try Basecamp Basecamp 3 which you know a lot of agencies use Basecamp especially Basecamp 2 but yeah it's been working for us so far we're still, still I'd say we're getting just getting into it yeah I'd yeah. say we're just getting our feet wet we're not too deep into it but so far so good yeah, it's a, it's amazing. You have this desire to like just tie everything up in one simple yes. system. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, I think that was a big part of the reason that we we ditched Asana. We just thought, man, we just have too many things going. We can get by without this. And then it was like, why, <laughs> why, why bother when it makes our lives easier? Well, and the developers have been using another system called Jira. Um, some may be familiar with it, but. It's a little more programmery. <laughs> it's a little more technical than probably some of the people who work here are used to using. Yeah. And that's why we went with Basecamp. Um, but now we've sort of got both systems going. <laughs> we have a lot of systems going. Yeah. So, you know. But, you know, I don't think... I think we were really worried that that was just going to make things really confusing. And I think that when you have a need for some software and there's software that does that job, it 
you know, it makes it easier than not having it. Right. You know, of course it'd be great if there was one software that did everything 10,000 feet, Basecamp, Proposify, QuickBooks, you know, we yeah. get we just log into one portal and do all those things, but you know, the reality is you can have each one of those on a tab on your web browser and click between them pretty pretty easily. So I want to talk about sort of an initiative that I've been working pretty hard with over the last couple months is sort of establishing a vision for Murmur Creative. Um, there, I started reading this book called Agency. Um, I can link to it in the blog post. It's a really great book. The first couple of chapters are about how important it is to establish a vision for your company. And that's not, it's a little different than a mission. Vision has to do with sort of how you see yourself in the future, but also um, what your values are. And we decided to have start having these meetings with the employees or get everybody's feedback on what Murmur is, what our values are, what we want the future to look like. Um, we sort of made that like a sticky exercise. We're just putting stickies all over the wall and they're all falling down. And <laughs> <laughs> we, we could have chosen a better format, but, yeah. <laughs> but it was really cool. I mean, it was, it was great to have everybody just sort of brainstorming and, and throwing things up on the wall. You know, a lot of them obviously were things that weren't surprising, but then there were things that, you know, I don't think we anticipated, but no, it felt like even just the exercise itself felt really good. Yeah. And, you know, there weren't a ton of surprises, but the, there were a few and it, it definitely shapes your perspective. And I feel like it gives everybody a feeling that they're participating in the growth and the vision of Murmur, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it also gives you insight if there's someone who just has a completely different view of what the company should be, you know, mm -hmm. like that's good to know if that's true. Yeah. And everyone had their concerns about, you know, salaries. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're getting closer, but we're still not as competitive as other agencies have been around longer. Yeah. Um, and larger agencies. And larger agencies. Yeah. And then, so I took those, or those values and those ideas, and we actually had everyone prioritize them, uh, create a little survey monkey survey. And then we, I created a bunch of sort of a value, list of values for our company. Um, you know, just things like work-life balance, like that's something we value here at Murmur Creative. Design, high design, like we really want to create excellent product, excellent design product. Um, and we really want to add more value than just aesthetics to the work that we do. We want to add value in a way that helps the companies we work with grow. So those are the sort of things that we sort of discovering and being able to articulate better through the discovery process. And the list had, you know, also had things like benefits, like medical benefits, um, all the way down to, uh, you know, snacks in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, right. having, how important is it to keep the fridge completely stocked with LaCroix at all time? Um, it was a wide range of things that people got to kind of score how important they thought those things were. Yeah, I think it was good. You know, you can sit down and just be like, I'm going to write the mission statement for my company. I feel like it does take a little more process and a little more involvement from people to like make sure you're on the right track. Right. And, you know, and when you write something like that, you're writing for everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's different. And yeah, you were talking about sort of, I mean, or the two, the two things we've been trying to develop is sort of an outward facing mission statement and then like an internal, uh, what were you calling it? 
a vision. Vision. So, yeah. so we're sort of working on both of those things. I thought that was interesting. I never really thought about that before. That there's sort of be this outward-facing mission statement that we want all our clients to know and understand, and then this internal one that sort of talks about us and our values and what we want our jobs to be and our company to be. And that that makes a lot of sense. I thought I thought that was really smart. You know, what was so funny is that it w- this whole process sort of came out of the fact that, that we wanted to figure out what kind of clients we should be working with, mm-hmm. what clients we should be going after and what clients we yeah. shouldn't. I was going to set up this big meeting where we're all just going to sit down and talk about what kind of clients we would like to have. But eventually it sort of dawned on me that we can't say that until we know we have a real clear idea of what our vision is what our goals are, what we want to be, how we want to fit into our community and the business community. And so there's all this information we needed to gather and figure out and articulate before we could even decide what are our, what is our what ideal, is our ideal client? client? Yeah. Well, and then in that process, I think what we came away with rather than, you know, a description of, I mean, I guess it was in a sense, a description of a client, but you know, we got criteria you know, when a new client comes in now, we say, okay, well, does this client fit? You know, maybe we have five big points that they need to qualify. And if they don't hit at least four of those five, then we dismiss the client uh, or, you know, the, the opportunity, the opportunity. And that's really helpful because before it was just me kind of considering it. And, you know, depending on the mood I was in that day, yeah. I could make a very different decision. So, you know, I think it's actually, it actually came up the other day. You know, I think Chris was talking with another agency that was interested in hiring us for some SEO work for his clients. Chris's initial response was yes. And he took a call and, and sort of talked through how it would all work the the guy had a fair amount of work that he might be sending our way and you know again we're, we're like we talked about how busy we are chris started getting a little nervous about whether you know his time was going to be completely taken up by these clients and then it sort of dawned on him and to me like how how much do we want this work you know this isn't work that is going to particularly grow our, I mean, it'll grow our business in that it'll add some, some monthly revenue to the books, but you know, we're working for another agency. So we're not interfacing with these clients. These clients don't know who we are. We can't, you know, talk about this work in our portfolio or, you know, there's really, or, you know, use it as an example in, in, um, pitches. It didn't fit a bunch of, you know, almost half or more of the criteria that we, so we, we called the guy back and said that, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit more about what, you know, we, we didn't completely say we're not interested at all, but we kind of rolled back what we were initially offering and kind of started a conversation because. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, is that we've sort of set some places where we want to grow as an agency. And, you know, like one of those things is branding. We want to offer some bigger branding services. That's an area where we identified that we want to grow. This opportunity was something that would have forced us to grow in an area that we hadn't planned on growing, which is doing, you know, ongoing SEO work for agencies. Like, um, fellow I'm talking about is a really nice guy and like, I'd be happy to work with him. But we also have to pay attention to like our capacity and where we're putting our energy. And um, yeah, it was a hard decision to make because like we said, we haven't been onboarding a lot of 
clients this um, quarter. Last quarter. Or this last quarter, yeah, sorry. Profits have, have flatlined a little bit this quarter we're, two. Quarter two, yeah. We're so we don't know. We don't know if we're gonna make that million dollar mark. So it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to turn away work. But now that we have a framework, I think it's is gonna help us grow in the right ways. So let's talk about money. So our goal make a million dollars as everyone knows by now um, <laughs> that's not a million dollars in our pocket obviously that's you know what, what gross gross revenue gross for the revenue. year what do we estimate that our our costs are on a monthly basis somewhere around 60 to 70 it's, it's like 65 maybe thousand mm-hmm. a month i think is our our operating cost with with payroll and um rent and all of that so 65 Bring out, break out my calculator here. Times twelve is seven hundred and eighty thousand. So the goal, yeah, the goal is to profit a little over two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Yeah. So far, well, so what was interesting is in the past quarter one through three have been low. And then we always have this huge fourth quarter. That was sort of the trend for about three years. And so quarter one this year, for the first time ever, was really big. Uh, we did, a, like we mentioned before, we did a ton of onboarding. So, you know, we charge most of our clients 50% uh, of the cost up front. We collected just a ton of deposits. And then, you know, we had all the ongoing work that we're usually doing and we're finishing projects from last year. So we just had a really great first quarter. And at the end of the first quarter, we were right on pace to hit the million dollars. So we did around 250000 which I think was at that, even though we were just on pace, I think it felt like we were ahead of the curve because like I mentioned, we're very used to growing quarter by quarter throughout the year as things sort of build, you know, we start, we've been doing a lot of hiring each year. So I think as we've sort of started to take advantage of the new people, the, the income has gone up. So this first quarter, we were feeling very optimistic, right on pace. And then as we mentioned, quarter two, we didn't do I mean, we really did barely any onboarding. We were very, very busy, but we just weren't doing onboarding. So at the end of that quarter, we, uh, I think we were at about 150,000. So actually, you know, below what we actually need to make each month. Um, but obviously we had a cushion from the first quarter, so it wasn't, wasn't a big deal, but we ended the first half of the year at about 400,000. So a hundred thousand dollars below, you know, our goal behind the pace, if we were going to evenly do 250,000 a quarter, which I, I never anticipated that. So, right. so I think we're still feeling pretty optimistic. The way I'm looking at it now, my, my optimistic way of looking at it is that we, you know, most of our projects take, I don't know, you know, most of our big web projects are probably three to four months minimum, usually, you know, longer than that. So the way I was looking at it, you know, we started all these jobs first quarter, we're going to finish all these jobs third and fourth quarter. And so on, and then on top of that, we're also, you know, I feel like the onboarding has picked up again. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have, we have a few new potential new clients that seem like they're just about ready to sign on the dotted line and um, a bunch of other, you know, interesting leads that I think could, turn into projects. So my feeling is that maybe quarter three, and if not quarter three, definitely quarter four will be really big for us because we'll be finishing a ton of jobs. We'll be signing new jobs. 
And so I, I think there's still absolutely the potential for us to hit that goal. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to bet on it, <laughs> but I, I'm very optimistic that we can still do it. So, um, we're just gonna work as hard as we can and try yeah. to finish all these projects. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll check back in again and let people know where we ended up. Well, let's talk a little bit about going forward and sort of what we will be working on for the, the next half of the year. We were both kind of talking about how it feels like things are settling in a little bit. Mm-hmm. We probably half of the people here haven't been here for much longer than a year. Yeah. Um, therefore, everything has seemed kind of big and scary and chaotic at times. Yeah, and I think between the the 11 of us, <laughs> I don't want to make an estimation, but there is not a lot of agency experience right. or big agency experience. So I think, you know, if you imagine putting 11 people in a room and say, learn how to run an agency, yeah. <laughs> sort of, sometimes that's what it feels like. Sometimes we, sometimes we, I think we have a lot of experience, you know, we have a lot of different experience. And I also believe that there are a lot of very, very intelligent people in, in this room. So I think that that we're doing a great job, but there is this sort of figure it out as you go. What are all the puzzle pieces and how do they fit together? You know, what are all the, the gears and cogs and how do they fit together to make this machine run? But as of late, it's starting to really feel like it's starting to hum along. You know, yeah. there's just this feeling of, you know, everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing clients are happy. (laughs) We're all relatively happy. Everybody's. um, So yeah, it it does seem like we're starting to hit our stride as an 11 person agency. Yeah, I I definitely feel that. And I think that it's just going to keep on improving over this year, you know, and I think that that's, what's going to be so amazing about next year is we're going to go into next year really well put together as far as an agency goes at a place where we just haven't been before at this size. And we have a few, we have a few hires that we want to add next year, but I think, you know, we've talked about three different hires and we can talk about what those are in a minute, but I think that going from an 11 person agency to a 14 person agency isn't going to feel like it felt to go from, you know, a six person agency to an 11 person agency. So mm-hmm. I think that I anticipate it going a lot smoother and sort of them fitting into our system and, and things just going, you know, running a little smoother. Yeah. Well, we, you know, and one of my, my goals for this year has been documentation and hopefully that'll make onboarding next year easier that we have more stuff to read and, and go, go by as far as like our processes and everything. So, yeah, why don't we outline what we're thinking those um, hires will be? Do you want me to or do you want to? <laughs> <laughs> well, the funniest one is that we were at a bachelor camping um, event. Just like <laughs> a bachelor oh, camping event. What is that? <laughs> that was a bachelor party for our good friend, Nathan. And uh, I was reading the book Agency. I came to this part in the book where he said, okay, say you want to start a web agency. First people you want to hire are the makers, not the managers. So the makers are going to be the designer who designs the websites, uh, the developer who develops the websites, and the UI UX strategist to, you know, uh, basically design how the website works. And we've, we've talked about having a UX person here. We had just sort of floated it. We weren't sure if it was like how important it was. But when I read that, I was like, it just certainly struck me. I'm like, we are missing 
a UX strategist. Yeah. We're missing someone because right now those responsibilities are shared between three people. We do wireframing. We do site mapping. We get it. You yeah. Know, there's we, a lot of really qualified people to make those sorts of decisions. But it's something that requires three people when we could potentially hire someone who can, you know, obviously we're a collaborative company. We all work together, but someone who who can handle a lot of it on their own. And it's sort of shared between three people who have other responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it just ends up a little bit messy, like in the process, just, you know, it seems like sometimes there's some redundant work done. There's sort of, I don't know, there's just, there's a lot there can be some confusion there, but also it just seems like it's not done the most efficient way that it could be. Where if you could put that on, if you could put those responsibilities on one person's plate, all three of those people would be lightened up to really focus on, you know, TGR web designer could be really focused on the aesthetics of the website and, you know, the look and the feel and the color palette and how, you know, we integrate the branding that we've just finished into this website where you know he doesn't have to be thinking about all the ins and outs of how the interface is going to work he can just get these beautiful wireframes and start to design with them yeah so i yeah i think that that's going to be a really good hire for us it'll probably be might be a little more expensive of a hire than i mean i don't know yeah. it it depends i mean ui ux people come in all shapes and sizes some people like to sort of pretend that they have <laughs> we talked about that that that's you know i think a ui ux designer is going to be a little bit tricky of a hire because i think these days everybody just puts that on, on their the resume, the resume. Yeah. i think in a lot of cases they don't even know what that means they just think oh yeah i know what a good web interface should look like or i sure know what my pet peeves are about user interfaces and yeah, they, they qualify themselves as that. So we were already talking about like, okay, how are we going to really, you know, what sort of questions, what sort of review are we going to do of their work? And, you know, I think in this case, I could see us, you know, taking a real audit of the work that they show us and then having them talk us through how they came to the conclusions they didn't think things like that, because I think just somebody coming along and being like, oh, yeah, I've got 10 years experience UI UX. It's like, what does that mean? You yeah. know, or you know, I have ten years experience interacting with objects. Yeah, or, exactly. <laughs> or like be having a Mac computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's definitely something that we want to be really mindful of when the time comes to hire because it's going to be a really important piece, I think. And one of one of the things that we decided sort of in our vision quest was that we only want to hire people that improve our product improve our services make and part of that came out when we surveyed everyone no one was super interested in us growing in scale as an agency like when we asked people in a survey what would you think if murmur creative was a hundred person agency no one really liked that idea yeah or at least it wasn't important to them yeah it was sort of like it was sort of just low on the list of people's priorities you know yeah. people were much more interested in doing great work and getting compensated and, you know, the things that make sense. But yeah, there was no, there was no sense of like, yeah, we want to grow into a hundred person agency and we'll all be at the top of the food chain. Like that, that's, I just don't think that's our culture. So yeah. So when we're talking about hiring a UX designer, it's because we think 
that it's going to give more time to our designer to make our websites look more awesome. And it's going to give us more time and expertise to make our websites work more awesome. Mm -hmm. And then sort of with the other two hires we're thinking about, it's, it's similar, maybe not quite as um, obvious, but. Mm -hmm. And I think a good, you know, uh, another good example of how, that value statement um, and and the criteria that we came up with has been helpful is when we were talking about that SEO project, you know, we thought with that much work, we could potentially hire someone, you know, part-time or almost full-time to just do that work and we can supervise it and, you know, can make us that much more profitable. And, you know, then we looked back at that criteria of, does this make our work better? And it didn't. The only, you know, the only thing it did is let us hire someone and maybe earn us another $10,000 a profit or something like, and that, you know, that really wasn't part of the value statement. So it it was just one more reason to make the decision we did. Yeah. Well, I mean, and someday who knows, maybe it'll change. I mean, these things aren't written in stone. We may decide we want to grow out a big SEO department sometime. Right, right. Well, and that's the thing is, I don't think that what we pulled from that is that we will never grow to a hundred person agency. It's just not the goal. Yeah. You know, we have other criteria. If all that criteria is met all of the time and we continue to grow and one day we find ourselves at 60 people or, you know, a hundred people that I, I'd be sure would be surprised, but I think <laughs> it would. Um, I think the idea is that we just do it in a way that felt right to us and fit our values. And so what were those other two hires? As if I didn't know. The first, well, the first one we, we was probably the first one that we, we've known for a long time, but um, we've been trying to get away without a um, just sort of office of admin person. We, you know, when we hired Kylie, our project manager, I think that was sort of part of her job. And then we grew as an agency and she had to become a full-time project manager. And if anything, she's the busiest one here. And yet we still sometimes ask her to do a lot of those tasks. And it's, <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're, you know, and then when we hired Kate, we sort of have put some of those tasks on her plate. But, you know, we know that her talents are, are much better utilized in other ways. So I think we're just, yeah, come to the realization that, you know, what, we need to hire somebody who's not a designer or a developer or a project manager and just, you know, find somebody who's young and, you know, eager to work in an agency environment, but not super overqualified, you know, so um, hopefully the price tag's a little smaller, but also that they're more happy to be doing the work because I think that's the other thing is we have, you know, when, when when you're a project manager, you're a website designer, developer, writer, whatever it is, you know, it kind of sucks when you have to be also pouring the coffee and running out and doing errands or I don't know what the dealing with the the bookkeeping sometimes, whatever the case may be. Yeah, we want to find that person that that will be eager to do those things and, and happy to have the job. So that that's, that's probably hire number one. Yeah. <laughs> hire number three, which is or two, depending, which I think is sort of along those lines is I think we we need to hire a junior designer. When we started, you know, all of our designers were sort of junior designers and I was just the designer. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like now, um, you know, I've sort of 
graduated to art director and we have three super talented, you know, designers now who have some experience. And so it's not fair to have them doing all the odds and ends and little things. And we hire, you know, we hire interns, but having like a really consistent intern all of the time is a tricky thing because interns come and go and you never have them for very long. And um, so I think, and they never really have a chance to learn all your systems and how, what needs to get done. So sometimes they're as much work as they are. Um, We need to hire that person who can just fill in all those cracks and let our designers really design because, you know, they're also talented and when they have to do, you know, create logo files for clients and um, do all this stuff that just takes hours and hours and takes them away from developing amazing logos and websites and packaging, it just it just doesn't make sense. So I think that's another hire that's going to be really helpful and really improve our product. One of the things that we've been wrestling with a little bit also is trying to define what our core services and offerings are. I think that when I came on a little over a year ago and I had a background in digital marketing, you know, I felt like I had a grasp of email marketing. I had a grasp pay-per-click. I've, I've been doing it for years. I have, I have done SEO for years. I've done copywriting for years. I was like, I'm like a one-man digital marketing army. You know, let's just offer all the services yeah, and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. And, and we were afraid that at that time that, I might not be able to pay for myself and serve, you know, with income. That, like, right. So we were trying to figure out every single service that you could possibly offer. Yeah. Because we wanted to make sure we're bringing in money to pay my paycheck. And so we were just sort of took everything on. And then slowly, you know, time, we started to realize like we can't offer this sort of breadth of services. One person can't offer all these things. We can't get really good at any of these things. If we're offering all of them, we're not a full service marketing company at all. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we're, we do branding really well. We do websites really well. We do SEO really well. And, you know, maybe we're not going to do social media. Maybe we're not going to do email marketing. Maybe we're not going to do pay-per-click. And not even that we couldn't do those things well. A lot of those do sort of still fit into our wheelhouse, but we have to sometimes pick and choose which clients we want to offer them to, but also consider, you know, do we want to develop systems to do all these things? And there's just, there's so much that it it does seem like it just makes so much more sense to, to focus on a set number. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that really surprised me how important systems were to offering services, because just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you know how to demonstrate that you know how to do it that you know how to educate the client about it, that you know how to report, you know, the the correct me- metrics and that you know how to talk the talk and walk the walk and everything else, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, it's a real challenge and we need to focus on, you know, really honing in the stuff that we're focused on right now, you know, that the stuff that's bringing in the most money, the stuff that we want to be known for. And, um, yeah, who knows, maybe down the line, we'll get an offer or some client that we just can't live without. And they say they want us to do social media and we'll be like, okay, we'll do social media (laughs) (laughs) again, again. (laughs) I, I think it's, you know, it's a mistake to offer everything all at once, especially for a small agency. We seem to be doing pretty well with the services that we offer. But it's it's interesting. I think it makes us different than there's agencies that do branding and websites and marketing. There's a lot of digital agencies that do all three of those things. 
But a lot of the marketing agencies sort of put marketing at the front. They're like, we're a digital marketing agency. You know, and we often say we're a design company or we're a strategic design company. Mm-hmm. And I think that we are, we're a little bit more focused on deliverables and a little less on sort of the management, marketing management. We're, we're not going to step in and be your marketing company. We're more of a uh, production company that a marketing person could use. Yeah, utilize to us to create the assets and the yeah. resources. We're at an asset machine, basically. <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> we were talking before about this whole process of developing our sort of vision and our identity, and and that ties into you know defining our unique selling proposition. Sort of what we tell people, like Murmur Creative is X, Y, Z. Yeah, and it's sort of been muddy for a long time. You know, we we played around with this. We're a design-first creative agency tag, and I think, you know, Mary was using that in a lot of our pitches. Um, we also have, you know, on our website, it says success by design. So, you know, design's always been the focus, and we know design's the focus, but we also know that design is the focus for all design agencies so how that doesn't really make us unique that just makes us a design company and saying that we're really 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 good at it isn't really saying anything either because there are a lot of really really good design agencies in this town and in in this in the world so i think that that stumped us for a long time and i think in this exercise um that you know chris has put us through i think what we realize is it's okay really great design is the baseline that's you know every client who comes to murmur can just expect that at every turn you know we're never going to do anything that's anything but great design what sets us apart is that we do it strategically that it's not just about aesthetics it's not just about you know looking good and having the the flashy new logo it's about creating brands and creating graphics that serve purposes promote sales for a company or growth for a company i think that was the the light bulb finally went on and we said oh that's what it's all about it's not about just good design it's about strategic design and we do these very in-depth discovery processes with clients and we you know we we really try to like get to know the brands that we work with in a, such an in-depth level that when we are designing for them when we are creating a website experience for them that we're not just thinking about oh what's going to look great on paper great online you know we're we're trying to figure out how to solve their business problems yeah we're trying to figure out how to help them grow and make more money because when they grow and make more money, they <laughs> makes us look real good. Makes us <laughs> look really good. And that's what they're looking for. That's what a client is looking for when they come to us. You know, um, they may not realize exactly how a logo or a website can really improve their business, but that's our job. Yeah. Our job is to figure out, find out everything we can, find out what their pain points are and see how many of those we can solve with our solutions. And, And that's why we're really sort of attracted to the idea of growing our branding services is because we feel like branding has that power to really transform a business, especially when it's executed on a large scale. This whole process that we've been talking about, about vision statements and mission statements and USPs, a lot of companies don't have that stuff as we're practicing on ourselves to 
sort of define those things, you know, we realize that those are really integral processes that we can be incorporating in our branding discovery and our branding work with clients. And um, I think that that, you know, that's one of the areas that where we want to grow. Well, cool. Usually I say thank you for joining me here. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but since this is your place of business, um, thank you for allowing me to uh, um, take over the conference room and record you. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll do it again in six months. Yeah, sounds great. You've been listening to the Creative Agency Podcast with your host, Chris Bolton. When he's not podcasting or being a dad, he's the digital strategy director at Murmur Creative in Portland, Oregon. Be sure to visit us online at creativeagencypodcast.com.